just want to say God must be glorified. God is so jealous for his glory. Just say out loud with me, God is jealous for his glory. God is God, and I say this a lot, but I need to say it again. God is God with or without you. And praise God that he welcomes you in to his presence to be there with him. Isn't that amazing? But he was God with or without you. He is still God. He is just so big, so incredible, so beyond our understanding. Isn't it just amazing? Do you ever just stop and meditate on how big he is and how great he is? Yes, glory. And then the word says that he calls us in as friends. He said, you are no longer slaves, but friends. Jesus said, you're on the earth. Yeah, you look like you're here, and I know it seems like you're here, but he said, I'm in you, and you're in me. And I, so I know I say this often, but it needs to be said again, that right now, present tense, while you're sitting here, the Lord is with you. Praise God. Amen. And ready for your mind to be blown, you're actually sitting in Christ next to the Father in heaven. Because that's what our word says. Who believes your word more than you can understand it? You don't need to understand it. That's the word of God. I want to say this. God wants to show himself strong in your life and through your life. I want to say that again. God wants to show himself strong. Do you believe it? I've been just reminded. God's been reminding me that he wants to show himself strong in us. He wants to be, God wants to actually show off. Do you know that? Who, who's ever read your Bible, right? He's a show off in the good way. He's not a show off. It's not, see, in God, it's all pure. It's not pride. See, it gets twisted here. It gets, the devil's a copycat and so is the flesh. All right, so it is a, it's a pure showing off, right? And, uh, but he loves to do it. And when you go through every single story, and I swear, God enjoys waiting till the midnight hour, right? God enjoys waiting till the last minute. God enjoys seeing no other possible way and then him coming through. Who believes it? And I believe we need to be encouraged and filled with some faith again that God wants to do those things again. Sometimes the enemy, it's weird. We go into seasons, you know, and I preached it for quite a while, at least six weeks on the trials and the tribulations of life, and they must be preached. As a Christian, you must be aware that those seasons come, and I think that it's one of the probably the most confusing things to believers is they don't understand when they're happening. So I spent a good deal of time this spring preaching on those things because we must understand that God is in them, right? We're not going to re-preach all those sermons, but I'm, I'm building something here. But what did we learn? In the trials and tribulations, we learned that God, that's where we find him. That's where you also, your weaknesses are exposed, and that's where God's dealing with a whole bunch of things in us. Praise God. But then I love when I get to begin to preach this type of sermon, not that it was that I didn't want to preach it, but it's certainly harder. And it's that God says, okay, you may be in the trials and tribulations for a season, but I'm bringing him to an end. I'm going to bring you through to a victory, praise God. And who believes that God wants the victory in your life? 
The trials and tribulations are for a season. Everybody say they're for a season. Don't ask me how long. I've already told you that. All right, I'm, I'm not going to even go there. But praise God that even the season, you're ready for this, the season of humanity existing on the earth is coming to an end. Wow. That's a season. See, in God's eyes, he's outside of our scope of reality, our sense of time, our sense of existence. And so for him, even the 6,000 years, which seems like so much time, you know, for us, it's all this time. But for God, he's looking from outside time. So he just sees generations placed in his sight all at once. And it's all coming and wrapping to a close. Even that season is coming to a victory. Praise God. That when Jesus said it is finished, what he was alluding to was not just what he did on the cross. But when Jesus said it's finished, he was even prophesying a conclusion from Genesis into Revelation. That when he said it is finished, what he was prophesying was actually what you couldn't see in the natural, what the disciples couldn't see in the natural, and certainly Satan missed it because he crucified him, was that Christ was returning on his white horse with a mighty army to rescue us from the earth. Isn't that amazing? I said so much, maybe you got confused in what I just said. But the point is that the Lord... There are seasons, we go through times of trials where we're in something, but praise God, victories are coming, the ends are coming, the result is coming. And sometimes, I don't know why, but I wish God would give us some more comfort along the way. Sometimes I wish that he would give us some more, uh, just some more encouragement along the way. Who wishes that you had a little more signpost along the way sometimes? And sometimes he does. And other times, it's as if his voice is silent. I mean, you know he's there because you're a mature believer, but you're looking for that extra encouragement, and it's just not quite there that day who's been there. It's not that you are denying him, and you certainly know now as a mature Christian, he's not denied you, but you just don't feel that extra love and fuzziness that you do sometimes. I love, though. I love when all of a sudden his voice speaks. Praise God, right? Suddenly he speaks, though. And we live for those moments. We live for those times where the Lord just begins to show himself strong again. God wants to show himself strong in your life, and I want to say this as well, and through your life. Say, God wants to show himself strong through me. That's the Bible, and we're going to look at that today. He wants to show himself strong, and he chooses to use us. Why he uses us, I don't know. Why did Jesus raise up disciples? I don't know. Right? Why does God trust us with such an immense responsibility? I don't know. And yet that's his system. Right from the beginning, he entrusted humanity to Adam and Eve. And he knew that they would mess it up and still entrusted it to them. And then we can see he entrusted humanity to Noah to build the ark. Now, the Lord's presence was with him, but he entrusted a man to build. And you can find that through the entire word, right? To the kings, to the judges, to the prophets. He entrusts the word and judges those who don't listen to the word of a man or a woman. Isn't that amazing? 
But that's the word. That's God's kingdom. So I want you to hear today that he wants to use you. He's going to use people. You must be willing to listen to people because that's who God uses. And, and, and maybe this is someone, for, someone on the podcast, but I feel the spirit of the Lord, but there's only a few of us here. So don't, no one, no one think, overthink it. But this is what the Lord says. The Lord said, because there's a statement that some people say, God's got my number. And there was this pride that kind of propped up in, in time where someone would say, if God wants to speak to me, he can speak to me himself. I'm not gonna, I don't need to listen to anyone else or listen to a prophet or listen to a preacher. God can come and tell it to me himself. And that's not what I see in my Bible. Who sees that in your Bible, that God speaks to every single person? Sometimes, I mean, I love when he does, but, but many times God gives them a word and, and in, in fact, gives them a word through a person and they don't listen and they're killed for it. And it came through a person. And you're like, Lord, but I couldn't trust them. And the Lord's like, you should have trusted them. I want you to see that God wants to use you. God uses people. That's his kingdom. We are meant to be in unity as one body. We are meant to encourage each other. And we must be willing to listen to each other. And on and, and and the other side, God wants to use you. God wants to use the gifts and abilities that are in you that he has put in there for the sake of his body and for his kingdom. Praise God that he does that. God wants to move in our lives, but first some things must be put into order. We're looking at this story of Gideon. I love his story. This is part two of last week. And I love this story because Gideon was just a man. Everybody say he was just a man. In fact, if you wanted to be critical, certainly if there was YouTube back then, man, the people, they would have torn Gideon to shreds. They would say, do you know his father is? Do you know? Ready? This is how I would say, do you know his father worshiped pagan gods? Did you know that Gideon actually was hiding when God found him? Did you know that he tested God over and over and over again? Finally, he went and did what he said. I'm not saying those things. That would be the critic. That would be the critical. But praise God that the Lord comes and finds you and I on the earth amongst our critics and says, I see you differently. You ready for this? Than even you see yourself. And I began to meditate on this concept and the Lord even began to show me that, that even Satan knows you better than you know you. Even he knows you better than you know you. Because he's looking, again, he is not all-knowing. Because re remember, we just said it a moment ago, remember when he put Jesus on the cross, it was God allowed it for his purpose, right? Praise God, that's the gospel. The Bible says that God... Jesus said to Judas, go and do what you're going to do. And Satan filled him. And yet what he couldn't understand, Judas the man and Satan inside of him, was that actually it was going to be used for his purpose. Isn't that the truth? Come on, somebody. Isn't that the truth? So if that's the case, that Satan is trying to plot and plan but doesn't know the whole thing. God knows the whole thing, right? Praise God. God knows. I heard someone say once, the devil has a plan, but God's got the pre-plan. So sometimes 
The enemy has put you into a place. He has he saw you when you were born. Saw your family, saw the potentials. I don't understand it all. We don't need to. I'm not going to focus on him for more than the rest of this minute. But the point is that he will put you on a path that seems logical. Put you in a place that seems to make sense. Well, there's an enemy. You know what? I'm good at threshing grain. So you know what Gideon said? I'm good at this. He said, what are my gifts? He read all the books. What are my, the 10 steps to figure out who you are in God or whatever other title you want to make up? Well, I'm good at threshing grain, and I'm good at hiding. I'm good at being afraid. I'm going to get down in the wine press, and I'm going to do what I'm good at, and I'm going to hide down there, and I'm going to make the grain for the community. You know, the Lord wants to bypass even your gifts and abilities that you think you have. Your gift and ability is not just threshing grain. But the Lord actually said, I see a mighty hero. I see a mighty warrior in you. I see somebody that you can't see even in you, that you can't see it in you. And so the enemy wants to suppress. He wants to hide you somewhere else. And you think, well, this makes sense. I can survive. Come on. You know, literally, this is something that is said even in our lives, right? This, it doesn't sound like the devil's in it, right? Who's ever heard this? I just want a good job that pays my bills and I can just get through. Who's ever heard that statement? Anybody? I'm not saying that that's the devil. That's demonic, the statement. But you know, sometimes just that this mentality from the earth, because I don't see that in my Bible. I don't see that in the word, that that's our main goal. I mean, I pray those, I pray that prayer to the Lord, but I also pray, Lord, let your will be done, and you do whatever you need to do in me, and you take me wherever you, I need to go. Because how does the missionary in Africa pray that? Does, has the Lord abandoned them? The underground church in China, has the Lord abandoned them when they have nothing and they're scraping by? Is the Lord's blessing not upon them? And so I just, the Lord just began to show me that, uh, that you can have all these goals and, and have all these ideas, but doesn't mean that it's God just because it makes sense. It doesn't mean that it's God just because it's working. And many times the Lord comes and finds you there in that place that makes sense and then begins to do some things that don't make sense. Praise God. Come on, who's ready for the Lord to work in your life? Who can, who can testify the Lord came and found you? It doesn't mean you quit your job, right, Tony Ann? You're going to quit being a teacher? I'm not saying to quit that job. I'm just saying the Lord finds us in those places and says, that's... This is fine. You do those things. This is in the earth. But I have a call in you. There's a call inside you. There's a love that I need to, I want to get out of you. There's a person I want you to begin to speak to, and you're going to influence this area or whatever it is. I'm not going to try to put calls on anyone here. I'm just saying that the Lord has a call inside you that's greater than the job on the earth. Praise God. Now, I believe they probably still needed to thresh the grain. I'm sure Gideon probably helped with that again. You guys see what I'm saying? You guys remember the story. I tried to just say it without having to read all the verses again, but I think we remember. He was down there hiding, right? So what does the Lord do? The Lord comes and finds him, calls him a mighty warrior, and gives him a call. And this very first thing that the Lord does after that is the Lord says, okay, what we need to do is get some things in order. Everybody say the Lord wants to get some things in order. 
So the Lord gives you a call, gives you a purpose, and then he says, I need you to go, and I need you to, to, to tear down the little g-gods that have been built up in your life. These things that you that are idols, these things that he said, I want you to go and I want you to take your father's bowl and I want you to sacrifice it. I want you to tear down the, the altar to Baal and I want you to cut down the Asherah pole and I want you to burn it. And by doing that, it actually, it made Gideon decide, who am I following? Who is my God? And so the Lord does what he always does, he does the same thing with us. As soon as the Lord calls us, he begins to show you the things in, in you and the things around you that are distractions, the things that are lies, the things that have been built up. Come on, who's experienced that? And the Lord begins to just tear those things down and instructs us to get rid of those things and just be willing to do it because the Lord has a story ahead of you. Come on, we know Gideon's story, but he didn't know his story yet. You know what they you know what that happened the very next morning? They said, Where is where is Gideon? We want to kill him for what he's done. And who has experienced that? Who became a believer? And then all of a sudden it felt like, man, the people around you were enraged. Enraged that you became a believer. Come on, this is well, I'm reading a story here that's four thousand years old, and it's the same relevancy today. Praise God. But the Bible says Gideon was obedient. Everybody say, I'm obedient to God. And when we do that, when we, when we get things in order, when we get under the will of God and into the obedience of God, what begins to happen? Then that call, right, begins to be activated. Something begins to change in you. Praise God. And the Bible says this, and this is really what I want to move into for this for this uh, week to get into a little bit deeper here. The Bible says in the book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 33, and I alluded to this last week, and we needed to say all those things because we need to th this to be fresh so we can read this and understand what's happening. Judges, chapter 6, verse 33, it says, Soon afterward, the enemy armies formed an alliance against Israel, and they came in and they camped against them. Now, Gideon doesn't know what's going to happen. The Lord said he's a mighty warrior. He did not say uh, that, you know, how he was going to do it. And he didn't say, you know, it's going to be like this and you're going to be the leader and all these things. He just came and anointed him and called him. And many times in our lives that the Lord has come, you knew that you knew that you knew the Lord was separating you. I need to follow you. I want to be with you, Lord. I want to love you. And then there's kind of like all mystery, right? It's just mystery. And you just have to learn to love that mystery and embrace that mystery and know that God has a plan. Praise God. And if he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And so there's some mystery here because the Lord's about to come now to Gideon and say, hey, remember what I just told you. Now we're going to move this thing. We don't know exactly when it just says soon afterward. Everybody say soon afterward. So there's a gap of time. I don't know. Maybe it was an hour. Maybe it was a week. Maybe it was a year. I don't know. Sometimes these armies would camp against another nation for years, right, and bring them into under captivity. We know that at the very least 
you know, that they had been under this pressure for years. The Bible says so. I don't know what the time soon afterward is, but soon afterward, now it's time to stand up. And so the Lord says here in verse 34, it says that the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. You know the Lord wants to clothe you with power. The Lord wants to clothe you with power. I went outside to pray yesterday morning, and, and I wasn't even thinking about Gideon. I wasn't even thinking about the sermon. I'm just praying. I'm speaking to the Lord, and I'm just praying, and it just starts to come bubbling up out of my spirit. Come on, who's been there? And I just began to pray this. I began to pray Ephesians 1. Sorry, Dawn, I know, you know this is not her every week thing, but I'm going to make you skip around a little bit. Hold judges because you're going back to it. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 says, he says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. It says in the New King James, the exceeding greatness. Everybody say the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe it says in verse it says uh, this is the same mighty power verse 20 of the nlt that raised christ from the dead come on just start to meditate on this the bible says that god clothed gideon with his spirit gave him power it clothed Gideon, the Spirit clothed him with power, and my Bible says, New Testament, that there is this incredible greatness of power for us who believe. Gideon activated this belief, okay, God, I'm going to follow you, okay, uh, you know, and we, we're not going to get into it again, but he certainly had his doubts. He even has some more doubts after this, but the Lord's going to encourage him, the Lord's going to help him, but the Bible says that he believed God. Why? He's in the hall of faith. He goes, his action shows that he believes God. That even though he had fear, he had some questions. Come on, who's got some questions for God? I've got a lot of questions for God. There's a lot of things I don't understand. I do. God, why this? Why that? Why'd you, why is it so easy for you to do this, it seems, and, and then this area never changes? Right? Or the questions could go on and on. And what I do is this, you ready? I take the questions and I put them on a mental shelf. I just want you right now, you ready for this? I want you to go into your brain. I want you to take all the questioning, all the wondering, all the confusion, and just put it on a mental shelf. We're going to deal with that later, whether in the earth or in eternity. Can we do that? Praise God. Because the Bible says that if I will just believe him, even though I've got questions like Gideon did, the Bible says that there is a power, verse 20, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 1.20. And it says that that power is the same for us. Do you know that God wants to use you, he wants to work through you just as he worked through Christ. And that shouldn't be confusing. 
That shouldn't seem weird, because what did I begin the sermon with? Christ is in you. So it's not odd that Christ is trying to work through you. Come on, praise God. The Lord wants to do mighty things in your life. I must say a disclosure. The Lord's been reminding me and just showing me a lot. I mean, just a lot. In Like suddenly in this season, the Lord's just, some things cracked open, and I'm just, I had... I'm getting some revelation. Praise God. Like I said, you go into times where it seems like he's not speaking, and you just, that's where you buckle down and you trust him anyway. And he does it so that you trust him more, right? But the Lord's just been revealing to me that he is God, and he will do what he's going to do when he wants to do it and how he wants to do it. That's been a revelation. Because I've seen him so miraculously do something in this one area, as I just alluded to in the questioning. And because it's so obvious that it's God, that when, it, when he's not doing what I think he should have been in the time frame I think he should have, I'm be beginning to, more than ever in my life, begin to just trust him in a greater way. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop praying. The Bible says keep praying. If you haven't seen what you're asking for, keep praying. But I find that one of two things is going to happen. Either A, the answer is going to come, or B, you won't need whatever you thought was the answer any longer. For instance, some people think, oh, love's going to bring me happiness. No, it's not love, it's Christ. But through Christ could come love. Come on. So sometimes it's not that God's not answering your prayer, it's that your prayer is wrong. And you're like, but I have faith. And the Lord's like, but I love you more than your faith. And so what I'm just stepping back and seeing that is that I'm recognizing, I'm recognizing God, you are able. Just say it out loud. God, you are able. And I'm putting my prayers before him, requests before him, my ideas before him. Come on, the Lord's, you can do that. Put them before him. But then just step back and say, Lord, it's not doubt when I say thy will be done. That's what Jesus prayed. I'm going to pray the same way. You work it out in your way, shape, or fashion, and in your timing. Praise God, right? Don't be afraid to ask him in request. You have not because you asked not. But then don't judge God. Don't point your finger at God. Don't think he's abandoning you when it's not happening in the way, shape, or form that you've asked. Know this, that God said, I want to do amazing, powerful things in your life and through your life. And it's the same power that raised my son from the dead. Come on, be encouraged today. Who's encouraged? So the Bible says that God clothed Gideon with that type of power. What is God doing? What is he really doing in that moment? You know what he's doing? He's actually bypassing Gideon. But Gideon gets to enjoy the fruits of it. I've said it before. It's like a conduit. You know what a conduit is? You know what? A, it's a connection to get. I, I said it in a sermon a while ago. You're like a vacuum cleaner. And I'm going to say it you're low like that, make us like demeaning on purpose. Because in the scale of the universe, right, we're nothing. And yet God says, I want to work in your life, which makes us something. But a vacuum cleaner is, is nothing, right? But all of a sudden, it gets plugged into the outlet. And the power that was there all along activates this vacuum for a purpose. Come on, everybody, let's just say it out loud. I'm a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> The point is that you do have a purpose 
that God put inside you. And listen, it cannot. The devil can try. The devil might make you an NBA superstar. He may try to activate God's gifts and abilities in you, but he cannot because he does not have the power source. Praise God. It is only by connecting to Christ, ready for this, and fully submitting, which is plugging in, being obedient, separating yourself and saying, I'm going to connect to God and God alone. And whatever now my purpose is, is going to be activated only because I have been connected to you. Isn't that amazing? And so what God was doing in Gideon is he found a, what in the natural was a timid hiding. In the natural had many questions just like we do. But inside of him was something that he could not see. And it was activated by the Spirit of God. Just as when we receive the Holy Spirit, it comes with gifts and abilities. There's no such thing as a show-off in the kingdom of God. There is only being who he has always called you to be. And so what does the Bible say? Well, chapter 7, Judges says that Gideon and his army, everybody say Gideon and his army got up early and they went. Everybody say they went. So God calls him and Gideon says, okay, Lord, here we go. I trust you. We're going to do it. Praise God. We're going to do what you've asked us to do. And the Bible says that uh, it says that the armies of Midian camped uh, north of them. And in verse two, the Lord says to him, he says, you have too many warriors with you. The Lord says to you, you have too many natural gifts and abilities. I want to activate inside you something supernatural. Listen, you might be a people person, and they and so everybody thinks, oh, you know, the, the person that's going to talk to people is the people person. It's not true. It's not true. Jeannie will testify to you. She was petrified of talking to people. It was not her natural gift and ability to stand in front of everybody and talk it was something that she even you know would want to throw up after doing it but something that the holy spirit activated inside of her the lord says you have too many warriors with you and if i let you fight the midianites the israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves this is this is uh judges chapter 7 verse 2 that they saved themselves by their own strength Everybody say, the Lord doesn't need my strength. All he needs, you ready for this? It's so simple, willing and obedient. That's it. Just be willing and obedient. You can go through your entire Bible, and you know what you're going to find? That anybody who tried to get themselves into their call, tried to force their way into the place that they felt like maybe God wanted them, they all mess it up. Every single one of them that tried to take authority that wasn't theirs or try to take ground that wasn't theirs, they all mess it up. But those that you find that were humble, 
that were just willing to listen to God, that were obedient to God. God did great and mighty things through their lives. And so it says that verse 3, we know the story. Come on, who knows the story of Gideon? We're just reading through it anyway. It says that there was 22,000 of them. He says, therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave the mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home. Now, in verse 12, I just want to read this to you so that this makes more sense. In Judges chapter 7, verse 12, this is what it says. It says that the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley. Look what it says. Like a swarm of locusts. Everybody say a swarm of locusts. It says their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. So don't you think it would have looked pretty amazing for 22,000 people to go up against an innumerable army? Isn't that enough of a miracle? Well, the Bible says there was 10,000 left. Don't you think that that's amazing? 10,000 against a million. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Imagine hearing a battle. Imagine today that we hear a battle. 10,000 against a million. It says it was innumerable. I don't believe the Bible's exaggerating. Anybody think the Bible exaggerates? We exaggerate. The Bible doesn't. If it says they're like sand on the seashore, then it must have looked overwhelming. It must have felt unbelievably overwhelming. And I think that's, that is so significant that the scriptures have penned this down for you. That the, many times in your life, you come up against a situation that is overwhelmingly, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. There's no way. Everybody say, there's no way that I'm going to do this. Whatever God's asking. It just can't happen in the natural. So then you're trusting God, and God's like, well, we're going to just keep reducing you. It seems like, who seems, sometimes you think it's the devil. Come on, some, this is where we're going to point our finger at the devil. Like, I had 32,000, and now I've got 10. This is the devil. Sometimes the reduction, sometimes that God is actually sorting through, reducing your resources so that he can prove himself even greater. You know that God wants to be greater in your life. And so it says that the Lord said there's still too many, verse 4. And he says, I'm going to bring them down and test them. And then we know the story. What happens? Come on. What happens? Verse 6. 300 men were left. Verse 7. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites, send all the others home. 10,000 would have been amazing. 300 is ridiculous. Come on. We need to stop looking at God and, think, and, and, and analyzing your situations and looking at your inadequacies, looking at your faults, looking at your fears, looking at your worries, looking at all your lack. God is not interested in any of those things. God does not need you. He wants to use you. Come on, let's just get this. You ready? God does not need you. His kingdom is designed by him wanting. This is the epitome of grace. Grace is that you and righteousness. Come on, right, Dan. 
Grace and righteousness is a picture of you entering into this covenant with God without anything that you could bring except just obedience, willingness, humility. That's it. We just show up. Just show up and give me your full heart, and I'm going to do something unbelievable. Wow. And so that's why the Lord reduced it down to 300, because he said, when the story is told throughout time, maybe they'll try to reason in the future that 10,000 very elite forces, right? Like 10,000, maybe they were Navy SEALs. And the Lord says, I don't want them to have any reason to doubt that it was 100% me. Wow. And so the Bible says with that 300 men, you can go and read it your own time, but what happens? Come on, we know the story. You know what he does? They don't even bring swords. They divide again. They divide into groups of 100. Puts 100 here and 100 there, and they carry lamps. And the Bible says they broke these lamps. It doesn't say that if Gideon now came up with this on his own or the Lord inspired it. It just, just says they took lamps, and this is what they do. But the Bible says that when that happened, the enemy began to fight amongst themselves. And you know what that's a picture of? It's a picture that God just needs you to show up, shine the light. You just stand your ground. You just stand in the position that I've put you in and just stay there. And that must have been pretty, I mean, talk about being afraid. And just be there. And suddenly God does everything. Amen. Praise God. I could get more into it, but I'd like to just share a testimony if that's okay. So. It's, uh, I'm pretty much out of time. I want to just tell you a very quick testimony, but it's got a lot of details, so I'll just try to say it quickly. Who's, who's willing to hear one last thing? So, as you know, I'm a tradesman, and I, and I work on houses, and so I don't make money if I don't work. That's it. I don't, I've never had a paid day off in my life. I don't know what paid vacation is, and I don't know what, you know, a retirement is that I haven't saved. So, seasons come and go, you know, come out of winter. It's like, okay, Lord, I'm believing God, you know, you're going to bring it in. So I pray a prayer. I said, Lord, I want to be in the neighborhood and have a neighbor come up and ask for, for, for work. So I'm working on a house. Elijah comes around the house and he says, hey, one of the neighbors, I gave him a card. They want it. They want you to come look at it. So I'm thinking, praise God, praise God. So we go down there. The lady's thrilled. She says, come and do it. We do it two days later, a second job in the same neighborhood. And I, so I bring that prayer to the Lord, and I said, Lord, in the same way that you did that, I want you to do wherever I, now I just make it a general prayer. It's not even specific like today or this week, just wherever I go, Lord, I just pray that, Lord, I'm in a neighborhood and, and somebody's just interested, and that's it. You know, I'm not getting weird. I'm just putting those requests before the Lord and just thanking him that he's my provider, not me, not my strength, not my works. But so this is what's amazing. Now, the person driving in the neighborhood that day, they saw a gutter truck. Makes sense that they would ask Elijah for a card. Who thinks that makes sense? I need gutters suddenly. The Lord puts in her heart. Wait a second. You got plastic gutters. Get rid of, get rid of them. Use this guy. Well, Gutter tech. That makes sense. Easy for her to figure out, right? So I take it back to the Lord. I pray it again. All right. In the, in the time frame of that week or two, 
Elijah and I go fishing. We get into my green Jeep, not my gutter truck. Everybody say, not his gutter truck. Come on, so you follow my story. No, there's no gutter tech. I don't have a t-shirt on. I don't have any stickers. I don't have any lettering, nothing. We go fishing. We're having some trouble in this fishing spot. I get on a map, and I said, you know, the creek goes through some neighborhoods over in Hopewell. Let's go try to find if there's a cul-de-sac or somewhere we can fish that creek in the neighborhood. Maybe we'll get away from other people. Maybe there's a fish there. We pull into this cul-de-sac, and we got a house on the left and a house on the right, and the creek's in front of me. And I looked on the map, and I was like, they probably think that they both own this because the lawn's mowed to the center. <laughs> it's mowed from this side. It's mowed from this side. But the center area is not their land. It's owned by, like, a massive corporation. Lots of corporations buy up these, you know, you know, hundreds and hundreds of acres, and it comes through the creek into the cul-de-sac. So I said, let's park. Worst case, they come out and they yell at us, we'll just leave because I don't feel like fighting with them, but they don't own it. We have the right to fish here. We get down on the shore. Elijah throws a reel and we catch a fish. That was fun, whatever. End of story for that. Well, about a week later, I, on my website, someone requests that they want gutters. So we're talking. I never talk to them on the phone. Just back and forth. Sure, I'll come take a look, whatever, you know, and, uh, and, and so sometime this week, Sure. And then uh, the day of, I'm like, hey, what's the address? Sends me the address. I'm driving down the road. I turn into the neighborhood that I fished at. And I'm going through the neighborhood, and I was like, wow, this is strange. I was like, we were just here. Now, listen, I serve as a one and I serve to Pennsylvania border, Connecticut border, almost to Albany, down into Westchester. So, Maybe you think, oh, to end up in a neighborhood that you've been in before is not that big of a coincidence, except you wrote, my website, I got people calling me from Hunter Mountain through my website. It goes way, way out there. And I'm driving through this neighborhood, and I was like, wow, this is so weird. It's the same neighborhood. I pulled up to the house, the guy's house that was against the creek that I thought might come out and yell at us is the guy who's looking for an estimate. And I said to him, you know, I was just here. It's going to sound strange. I tell him the story. Went on the map, fished, whatever. He goes, what color is your car? Because I had my truck I had my, my truck at this point. I was like, oh, it's a green Jeep. Because I saw your car that day. He saw my car. Come on, this is amazing. He did not see my gutter truck. He saw my car. And now he's on a website thinking, suddenly... I need gutters. And here's the guy who was on my property a week ago, and he was carrying around a word from the Lord. He was carrying around a prayer request. And so the Lord said, Adam, if you drove in with your gutter truck to fish that day, then you might have thought, coincidence, 32,000 men, 10,000 men, there's a chance. But I had you drive in there with your Jeep, so that the guy, when he calls you, there's no way that he possibly could think that I need gutters because I saw gutters. But just because I was in his neighborhood, just being there. So just last night, to really make sure that the Lord had me share this, I wasn't going to share this testimony. This happened about a week and a half ago, and it was a private one. It was exciting. I was excited, but I wasn't going to bring it to the pulpit necessarily. But then last night, 
I had to run out to the store about 7.45, just random. Just, I'm going to go out to the store for five minutes. I'll be right back. I pulled into this little plaza with my green Jeep again, not my gutter truck. A guy walks up to me, and I was like, okay, this guy's coming towards me. He goes, are you the gutter guy? No joke. And I was like, what, did you see, you see my Jeep in the driveway? I'm putting, I'm, I'm got to surmise that he must have seen gutter tech trucks parked in the driveway, green Jeeps in the driveway. I'm still in Fishkill, so maybe, you know. And he's like, yeah, I pass there all the time. I need a quote. I need a quote for such and such. I said, okay, here's my number. Give me a call. We'll talk on Monday. I mean, just the Lord is amazing. He is unbelievable. He wants to do big things in our lives. He wants to do miraculous things. Why he doesn't do this, why he waits so long for that, you need to take those things and put them on the shelf. The Lord does those things, not because he has to, but because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of his love. He just wants to be God to us. But there are, right, for everything he does, we have a million questions of what he hasn't done or what we think. Why is there evil in the world? We, start, we go crazy. Now we're asking the biggest question of all. Why does evil even exist? And we're getting too ahead of ourselves. God showed himself so miraculously powerful and influential and a part of our lives. We need to just take that as a win and stop and say, Lord, I don't understand, but I know that I know that I know that you're with me. And that you're obviously leading me, apparently, even to take a day off and go fishing. Talk about the metaphor in that, too. Literally going fishing. Fishing for men. The guy says, okay, you got the job. I think I'm doing it tomorrow. So just praise God. I'm just, I just wanted to testify. I came here to, to preach about Gideon. I wasn't even thinking about that story, and then... The Lord really wanted me. To, I just feel like I needed to share it to encourage you. So maybe someone listening on the podcast as well. But know this. Bring, bring your heart before the Lord and know that he wants to use you. Know that he wants to do things in your life. He wants to take care of you. He wants to be there for you. Just let him do it. Amen? Let him be God. And so we just thank you, Lord. We just praise you. We just seal this word up in our hearts. I pray you put it down deep in us like good seed and good ground, Lord. We just thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.